We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Everybody, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm joined by Michael Focci to recap the Pacers' loss, 120 to 106, to the Philadelphia 76ers. Focci, how we doing? I'm doing great, man. Never feels good to miss an episode, especially after a Pacer win. But woo, feels good to be back, even if we were uh, you know, on the losing side of things tonight. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting game for sure. You never really got a good feel of the Pacers were gonna come back and win this game, but started off really strong. I think that's something we should hit on here first, Fachi, is this is a team that's really started out slow, and I know they were still down in the first quarter by like 10 points, but that was a big part of the the bench coming in and kind of giving up the lead a little bit because the starters really came out and played well in terms of what they had done previously in the past three games. No, it's true. The Pacers were leading this game. I want to say it was like 17 to 14 or 16 to 14, whatever it was. They had the lead. And I started thinking like, okay, all right. Pacers had had some rough first quarters through the first three games of the season. Unfortunately, the Pacers went cold. And then that's when you mentioned Philly ends up ending the first quarter being up by 10 points. But for the beginning, I started thinking, whoa, uh, maybe Philly is as bad as that 0-3 record. But obviously, things ended up changing. I'll say this about Philadelphia. They don't look like a team that puts the fear of God in you, right? It's no. um, it's a team that looks pretty good. It's a team that's got a lot of length, a lot of skilled basketball players, but there's just something going on with Joel Embiid. He does not look like himself. Um, did not dominate us like we're used to seeing. James Harden put on a show there, almost had a triple-double, was one rebound away from that, and, I mean, he was really good. But Tyrese Maxey only had eight points, Vachi, so – this felt like a game where you looked at that starting unit from Philadelphia on paper versus the Pacers. And you're thinking, 
oh, man, this is going to be a tough one for us to even be competitive in. And I know we were down big at the half, but we made this a game, and I think a lot of it was just due in part to, like, this Sixers team, something's not clicking 100% for them. I completely agree. Look, you if you just look at the box score, you say, what do you mean Embiid didn't dominate? He had 26, but it was a very quiet first half. I mean, yeah. and out of that 26 points, nine of them came from the free throw line. So Embiid, just 13 shots in this game, goes 8 of 13. Uh, Tyrese Maxick, like you mentioned, just eight points for, for at least the first half. He had just two points. So it really felt like that was a guy coming into the game who averaged 20 points. And Harden, it also felt like a little bit of a slow first half for Harden. He had a a, a run where he really caught fire. I yeah. mean, Andrew Nemhard tried to play the best defense he possibly could on Harden at times, and there was nothing he could have done during this run. Same thing with Bendik Matherin. I got to throw it out there because I started catching major heat from Pacer fans. Look, I said, mark my words, Benedict Matherin will seek out revenge on James Harden after he got dropped. And everybody was in my mention saying, he got pushed. He stepped on his foot. I get it. I get it. The point is, look, Harden sent him to the floor, hit a three. It was a statement play that, unfortunately, I know we're going to see on replay. But you know Benedict Matherin will not forget that. That will remain in the back of his head, and I look forward to that day when he does get the revenge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the fans are right, though, Fox. If you go back they and are. watch a replay, he I did. stepped on his foot. And he also pushed been, off. It could have been a charge, right? Yeah. So I agree. The fans have a, have a point there, and that happens a lot when you see crossovers and stuff like that. Someone always gets their foot stepped on, and they fall backwards. It's not like the guy really made him trip. Now, there are ones where... It is a true uh, trip over their own feet, that kind of thing. And James Harden's a master at doing that. So it's not like yeah. the first person he's brought to the ground and, <laughs> and high his not at all. So, uh, but I will say this: like I, I want to bring this up real quick because you're talking about Benedict Matherin and his confidence. Flatchy, the man started out 0 of seven in this game. the The lid was on the rim for him. He was having a hard time getting going. Uh, you know, driving to the basket, gets tripped by George Niang, goes to the rim, gets blocked a couple different times. He was not as efficient as we have seen him be throughout the first three home games uh, of the regular season. But I will say this, in the second half, he really started to turn things on. And when T.J. McConnell stole the inbounds pass, oh yeah, kicked it to Matherin, who was you know coming down the lane. Joel Embiid contested the shot, but Joel Embiid, to no avail, was unable to deny Benedict Matherin from getting to the rim all the way and scoring. And he also fouled him, so Matherin gets the and one. Well, as Matherin's sitting on the floor, he just turns his head, smiles, and is just staring down Joel Embiid like, who are you? You're going to try to stop me at the rim? And it's like, here, here Matherin was. There have been blocked like twice at the rim, once by Embiid earlier in the first half. And Matherin is just still oozing with confidence. <laughs> I thought it was so funny uh, just seeing a young player like that not letting the the one block really get to him and, and just being able to bounce back, not let the poor shooting performance from three keep him from being effective in this game oh no doubt i mean look the 0 for 7 start i mean i, I tweeted out i said hey Matherin looks almost human because he had been that on fire he looked like he wasn't even from this world in the first three games so guys these are the lumps that you're gonna take as a rookie being like okay hey look this is this is his first road game first real road nba game over here and it's always how do you respond and I thought in the second half, he responded really well. Technically goes six of nine from the field, but you know, we talked offline. The last two were just chucks at the end of the game. So really pretty much goes six of seven 
in the second half. Uh, I thought that was a great bounce back to end up end up with the game with 17 points overall. But I got a bone to pick with Rick because look at this. Matherin goes 0 for 7 in the first half, uh, played roughly eight minutes total in the first half. He gets subbed out at the 8.05 minute mark in the second quarter. Comes back in for the final 3.7 seconds when the Pacers go for you know a, a last-second basket. Then subbed out again, doesn't return until the 5-minute and 49-second mark. So you're talking about Matherin barely even plays in the second quarter from the 8.05-minute mark all the way down to just under six minutes in the third. I just felt like that was too much time on the bench. I don't know if that's Carlisle trying to be like, hey, look, you know, let me uh, sit him down for a bit. He's he's cold or whatever. You know, kind of treat him like a rookie, whatever it is. But I don't care if Matherin's 0 for 7. I don't care if he's 0 for 10. He was getting good looks, and those shots will go in. I think a lot of it had to do with getting Buddy Heald back into the game because Buddy Heald started off pretty well. I mean, yeah. I think he finished 6 of 14, which is not, like, Fine. bad, but it's not nah. great. It's under 50%. Just shot three of ten from three, so you know ten of those fourteen attempts were threes. But I felt like Buddy Hield actually played pretty well in that first half. Looked mm-hmm. probably like one of his better games. And, and Jalen Smith was on fire. But this is where they put Andrew Nimhard in the game. Fachi, uh, they went with Halliburton, Hield, and Nimhard with Jalen Smith. And I can't remember who the fifth person was out there. I think it might have been Terry Taylor because they pulled TT out early in the in the second quarter yes. because I just don't think they like the the combination of him and McConnell out there together. So. Uh, I thought that was interesting. We saw a couple different lineup combinations that I wasn't really expecting or anticipating. But, you know, I, I wasn't mad about that, Vaji. I thought maybe you bring him back in a little bit earlier in the third quarter. Maybe I that's so. a bit of a grab. I don't really care. But, you know, 24 minutes and 44 seconds for Mather in the night. Played over half the game, barely. But I, I think with how he was struggling, with this being an opportunity for other players to, to get going, like, Look, you, you know, we want to see Matherin as much as we can, and that's and that's great. But at the end of the day, you got nine to ten of their mouths you got to feed on this team, Flachi. And and these young players are trying to showcase what they can do. And, and it's not just about Matherin, it's about all the other guys as well. So, you know, Neesmith has been doing much better in the starting lineup, I feel like, than what Duarte was bringing to the table. Yeah. Uh, and just in terms of defensive presence and, and that kind of thing, I think Isaiah Jackson got in foul trouble, but, you know, you, you like his – upside and i think goga's played decent enough that you don't really worry about that but i, I just feel like tonight we played one two three four five six twelve players right mm-hmm. so when you're playing 12 players it's going to be hard to get more than 25 minutes no it's true look 12 players play we saw o'Shea make an appearance in the first quarter so it just feels like it's a little bit inconsistent with him he was the guy who played the fewest minutes at seven minutes yeah. but one thing i mean you touched on isaiah jackson rough game for isaiah jackson you know Five points, five fouls, one rebound in 18 minutes. We knew he was going to have his hands full. Um, But one guy that was a bit disappointing, and if you look at the box score, you wouldn't know it, but Jalen Smith finished with 17 and 10. Alex, he had 17 at halftime. Yeah. So this was someone who was just, just disappeared in that second half, and it was really unfortunate because I felt like he was actually the lone bright spot in the first half when the, when things weren't going right. So, I mean, I looked at it, I wrote it down. Jalen had 17 points in the first half um, and on 7 of 10 shooting. Buddy had nine. No one else had more than four. Now, mm. one thing that I found that was really interesting, first half, Tyrese Halliburton, one of three from the field, 
Alex, I'm sorry, but we are not going to win any game if Tyrese Halliburton has just three shot attempts at halftime. He had eight assists, which is cool. It was great. But he ends up finishing the game going seven of 11. So you're talking about he was uh, he was six of eight in the second half from the field. We just need him getting more shots out there early on. Still finishes the game with 11. Came into the game averaging 17.3 shot attempts per game. So you could see his shots were down. Yeah, I mean, last game against the Pistons, I think he only took 16. But the prior two games before that, he had 18. 18. So. Mm-hmm. You you want to see him get up there. He's talked about it. He needs to get 14 attempts per game. That's the goal. Yep. He only took 11. He was 3 of 6 from 3 overall, 50% from 3. Shot an incredible percentage, like you said, 7 of 11. Still got 19 and 10, so it's kind of keep his averages up for the most yeah. part. But, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you want to see him be a little bit more assertive, especially on the road. That's where you really want Halliburton to kind of step his game up to that next level. And, and he had 13 of those points in that second uh, in that third quarter which is why I kind of think Jalen Smith became a bit quiet there in terms of what he was doing offensively because it's when the guards started picking up their play a little bit more and putting the ball in the hoop so definitely like kind of hard to get a good feel for like how they were attacking and stuff like that like it came from all over the place at different times it was never just like oh we're attacking this matchup going back to that it was just kind of like we're taking what the defense gives us at that time and you know, I just felt like I felt like Halliburton had to kind of put the uh, weight of the team on his shoulders a few times there with the shots he took. He did. Those threes were way out and there, but they went in. Threes. You know, uh, he had a little nice dance after he hit the big one uh, that was way out there from three. So it, it's one of those things where Halliburton, 10 assists once again. I mean, he was moving the ball really well. He but, was. Uh, he, he was fantastic in this game. And it's one of those things where defensively, I'm still ready to see more from Tyrese. I'm ready to see him take on more of a challenge defensively, but where we're at now, I'm fine with how he played. It was an efficient night. It wasn't like the Spurs game. I felt he was really bad in that game. Mm -hmm. Uh, He even said he was horrible. I think that was like when he had 27 and 12. I thought tonight he looked better and more efficient than he did in that game, and I think part of it was just because the defense wasn't so atrocious in tonight's game compared to that game against the Spurs. So, um, but, but other than that, I think the other player that I really want to bring up here, uh, there's two players I want to get to, but this person I need to get to is Andrew Nimhart Fachi. I love him. 22 minutes tonight, five points, four assists, three rebounds was, I think he might've been the 12th man into the lineup at this point in the, in the, um, in the game, but ends up getting more minutes than TJ McConnell, seven more minutes than him. And we're, we're seeing McConnell be very aggressive when he's out there. And I feel like McConnell's done a good job when he's out there, but. Right now, it it feels like they're trying to find more and more ways to get Nimhart on the floor because when he's out there, good things are happening. Alex, one thing you didn't bring up, zero turnovers for Mm. Nimhart. I mean, overall, he's a minus two in a game where the Pacers lost by 14. It was when when Nimhart and Matherin were on the court together at the end of the game, the Pacers were really going on run. So I just feel like, we got something over here that, you know, the Pacers are bringing him along. And, and, you know, he was one of five from three tonight, which which isn't great. You know, that, that, that'll that still come. But overall, I mentioned it. There was times that he was playing real good defense on Harden, but there was nothing he could do because Harden's a former MVP. So it's just like I like him taking on those challenges. Same with Matherin. But overall, it, it yeah, McConnell pesky at times. But, you know, it's it just it feels like Nemhard has that more upside, and that they're going to bring him along. And 
I know you know McConnell was was minus ten in the game, and it's not all about just that. But I do like what I've seen from Nemhart so far on the season. Well, and I, and I hate to say this because I'm not trying to be too hot takey after this loss here, right? And it's only game four of the regular season, but I wonder if TJ McConnell feels the pressure a little bit to to go out there and and try to you know keep his job. I'm not saying that Carlisle is going to bench him because Carlisle loves McConnell. Okay, I'm not yeah, trying to create this narrative, but it's just surprising to me that we've seen McConnell, uh, you know, share quite a few minutes in that backcourt with the second unit with Nimhard, and and, it, and it's they're splitting up that time. And I think we've even seen Nimhard with Tyrese Halliburton a little bit more than I think people expected. And that's one of the things we asked him on the podcast. Like, are you strictly a point guard or do you think you can play off ball with a Tyrese or with a McConnell? And he said, well, I, I, I can do that. People don't think I can, but I actually am a pretty capable guy of being off ball. I mean, he's not a great three-point shooter. It's a weird-looking shot. If he's not, like, wide open, it's probably going to get blocked because he's got to push it off a little bit. So, I mean, just one of four from three tonight, which is not great. Excuse me, one of five. So, you know, you want to see him get better from that spot. But the whole team in general, outside of Tyree, shot pretty poorly from three. No, they really did. In the first half, I want to say, I believe the Pacers were four of 20 from three. So, uh, not good. Um, no. Just 12 of 44 to finish the game, 27%. I got a question for you. When does Neesmith start hitting threes? Because it's all we heard about all offseason, but but so far on, on the You're season. such a hater, bro. Dude, it's not good. It's not good. Look, one of four tonight, one of three before that, one of three before that, one of five. I oh. mean, at some point, could we go two of four? I don't know. It's not a what? big deal. I'm let, just let me ask you this. Let what? me ask you because I, I want to throw it back at you. What do you got? How do you think his shot looks when he takes it? Does it look good to look, you? It looks good. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think that's part of it. The shot looks good, and the they're not like bad misses, if that makes sense. No. They're like right around the vicinity. They're like some are down and out. You know what I mean? Like some rim around. Like it's not like he's clanking them off the side of the backboard or stuff like that. Like, no, they're good looking shots. He's just not getting them the fall. It's it's more like it's just luck than anything at this point. But, you know, you brought up the minus 10 there for McConnell. I mean, Aaron Neesmith was a plus six tonight, Fachi, the best plus minus on the team. I mean, I, I felt like defensively he was really important to what they did. To what they did. Uh, only played 17 minutes in this game, Fachi, so, you know, didn't get a ton of minutes. He was like fifth, sixth highest in total minutes, maybe even seventh or eighth. I can't even tell right now. Probably, I think he was actually seventh, so... You know, a starter getting seventh highest in minutes. He's just got to find his rhythm. And, and we talked about it last year with Duarte. Now you got Neesmith, two games off the bench, two games starting now, playing with different combinations he's not used to. Four games is too early of a sample size to be overly concerned. I say if we're by game 10 or 12 and he's still shooting under 25% from three or whatever he's shooting, then that's when we need to start having a problem. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No, I definitely agree. I, I felt that the Pacers tried to get Duarte shots early on. He ended up finishing the game four of nine, which is his best shooting percentage of the year so far. But it was not at any point would it be like, hey, you know who played real well tonight? Chris Duarte. Like, he hasn't achieved that status. And it, it's tough because... Last year, it just felt like it was the exact opposite, that he started the season just so playing above what anyone expected. And now, when there is real expectations, he's played so below what everyone's expected. And I know the role is different. And I know you talked about it with Evan on the, on the podcast the other night. He had the ball in his hands more last game uh, last year. But just the start of last year, look at this. First game against Charlotte. 9 of 15 from the field. Second game, 6 of 16, 6 of 21. I know, look, it's gross, but through the month, his first month as a rookie, he was averaging 16 shot attempts. Yeah. And and this year, there's just just not enough ball to go around to really be able to have him average 16 shot attempts. I mean, through the first few games of the season, he's actually averaging just below 8. So it's actually about half that. So uh, it's an adjustment for sure. But, man, you know, this is a guy that everybody was high on last year. And now, sure, it definitely does have you start to look to be like, oh, I wonder what Moses Moody could be with this team. And I, had, I, had, I had to throw it in there, man. <laughs> Why you got to do that to me? I had to do it. I just had to just because uh. he's young and fits the movement. But, man, I do want that Duarte breakout game. I, I really do. Yeah, we need to see it, Foch. And, and until we see it, I'm going to stand on this stance here, and I, I feel pretty strong about this. Chris Duarte is not a consistent starter in this in the NBA. Chris Duarte so. is a bench yeah. player. He is. I, he is. I've tried making the case for him. I've tried banging the drum saying, no, he should be starting. He he can. He's one of our better defenders. Well, I, I think Aaron Neesmith is a better wing defender than Chris Duarte right now from what I've seen so far, but I think part of it's Neesmith's a little bit bigger. Um I feel like Duarte, there's just something seems off mentally with him right now. And it's almost like he's just not not sure what his role is on this team. And I think that's the best way to put it. That's and that's what I mean by mentally. Like, it just seems like he's overthinking the game. Uh, I want to make sure I clarify that. So 
I, I like Duarte. I think he's a fine pick. Four of nine is not a bad shooting percentage. No, not at all. One of three is not terrible. I, I think he's got the upside to be a good player, but I just don't think when you look at Benedict Matherin and you look at Tyrese Halliburton, there is no way you can put Chris Duarte in that same boat of how they're going to impact this franchise moving forward. Chris Duarte is a solid player that I think is going to be uh, around for a very long time because he can shoot the basketball and he can defend. And he's got some nice handles here every once in a while when he does decide to be a bit of an offensive initiator. But overall, I just feel like when it comes to Chris Duarte right now, from what I've seen this season and even part of last year after he uh, went on that hot start, he feels like he's more of a really good core piece off the bench than he is a long-term starter. Yeah, I mean, hey, through four games, it's impossible to argue that because in those same four games, Benedict Matherin has shown major star potential. I mean, some of the the numbers that they've been throwing around there, I mean, the 72 points, the most points scored through through a, a rookie's, you know, three games and, and what he's doing off the bench and everything. And then there's Duarte, on the other hand, who, you know, has left so much to be desired. And, and now it already feels like, hey, look, look, he's still very young. He's 25 years old. But it just feels like his ceiling feels a lot lower now than, than what we thought maybe it could be, while Matherin's feels just, you know, sky high. So overall, he does definitely feel more of a bench role material where it's going to be hard to see him, you know, making his move back into the starting lineup based off of his play and more of just trying to fix around the lineup a little bit. So I'm definitely looking forward to, hey, how do we get this man going? But right now, it's easier said than done. Oh, you're you're exactly right. So I guess we've kind of hit on pretty much everybody in this game that we wanted to talk about. Um, unless there's somebody I'm missing. I mean, Terry Taylor, we really didn't talk about him too much. And it felt like he had a kind of quiet game. He did. Uh, had some nice rebounds there, two offensive rebounds that were that were huge. And uh, I wouldn't say huge. That's a little bit overstatement. No, but yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> they were good. They were good. I uh that's what happens when everything kind of runs together after just watching a game. You're trying to remember where everything happened at. But let me ask you this, Fachi. If got? you could give me a um, uh, some stock up, stock down, I'll give you – give me one player that had stock up for you from the start of the season and then give me one player for stock down and then maybe someone that's uh, kind of stayed afloat. Okay. Um well, the easy one for stock up is obviously Benedict Matherin. Um, that, that goes without saying – uh, I about this, you know, not a, not a oh, great game tonight, but stock up uh, for someone who the stock was down on. Goga, um, I think uh, that's an easy one. I think Goga's been good all year. Definitely, no, that's what I'm saying. Like tonight was look, he was coming off of arguably the best game of his career. So when you look at a box score and you see he had three points, three rebounds, two blocks, like it's not sexy. But I just feel like Goga has been somewhat, and he also did have that frustrated foul, which was kind of vintage Goga right over there. I love there. that. It's classic Goga. It really is. It's like, why? He always just kind of loses his temper a little bit and does something a little bit stupid. But I do think that he has been very you know, worthy of his role in the rotation. So I, I'd say he's someone that's improved. Um, now, let's see. Someone that maybe I was higher on. Uh I mean, Isaiah Jackson, I, I don't think has, has delivered so far this year. He's not I been thought very Isaiah fun to Jackson watch. looked great at times in the preseason, definitely in summer league. No, he hasn't. And it's been frustrating because look, against San Antonio, he, he had 16 and 6. 
I know against you know the Pistons he had eight and five, but at times he's really kind of had you been like, man, like that's it. And and I just feel like he's someone I expected to be more consistent early on. Yeah, no, I would I would agree with that. I, I mean, he had five blocks uh, against the Pistons. So, I mean, you love seeing that. I mean, oh, we know it. what he can do, yeah. right? But he's pretty basically that's all he can do. Okay, he, he it's all he's going to do is block shots and and catch lobs. Right now, I haven't really felt good about his screens. I haven't felt good about uh, his defensive switches overall. They've been okay. Uh, I, I would say that uh, his free throw shooting has not been sub, you know, great. Has been subpar. Three of six tonight. You know, mm-hmm. he is a high flying guy, right? And these are tough matchups. Like going up against Joel Embiid is very difficult. Um, you know, I, I feel like the Pistons they were a little bit smaller in terms of like you know who they start right with Beef Stew being like their big guy to start out, and then Jalen Dern, right? So it's not like, you know, Jalen Dern's a really nice young player, and he's going to end up probably starting for Detroit before you know it. But it's one of those things where it's just like the competition that we've played, this was by far the best competition we've played. No doubt. Against the Sixers. The first three games were playing against teams that were in the lottery with us. They're all still rebuilding. Um, the fact that we were at home, too, it made you realize, okay, a road environment against a really good team is a totally different ball game than playing at home against teams that are in your same, you know, area in terms of being in the lottery last year. So, uh, you know, it, it's that's why I felt like with Mather and like getting off to a poor start wasn't surprising, right? And this is why I've been over talking the point of I don't think he should start right now because he's in a good position right now to to learn, and, and I don't want to overwhelm him with, you know, more responsibility than he needs right now with this young team, if that makes sense. But um, you gave some good ones there for stock up, stock down. So I'll give a couple for mine. I think stock up, we got to go Andrew Nimhart. I think nobody really thought he would even be getting playing time, right, at this point. So the fact that he's doing that, it's incredible. I think stock down is Chris Duarte. There's no doubt about that. Oh, no doubt. Lost his starting position coming off the bench now. Just got 16 minutes tonight. Doesn't really know his role. Uh, that that to me is where I'm at with him. And then I'd say someone that's probably stayed afloat overall, I would probably just go Terry Taylor. Um, I know he technically lost the starting spot after he started the first two games, but we knew that that wasn't, you know, permanent with Miles going down with the injury. So Terry, it's it's interesting because they really like him and they want to play him a lot more than they probably uh, – I know they want to give him more opportunities this season to showcase what he can do, but um, I, I feel like – how high they talk about him and where he came from last year. If you, if you put those together, it's just like he's somewhere in the middle. He's not as great as they make him out to be, but, you know, he's a really good player that impacts the game and it might not always show up on a stat sheet or, or a box score, Fachi. So uh, I think he's stayed afloat so far. He's been good. He's been in some of the best lineups already this season. Like when they came back against the Spurs, I think he was part of the, the best five for that six-minute stretch there. So he has good qualities to him. Um, just don't really feel like he's gone up or down in terms of his stock. Yeah, I agree. To be honest, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from that that three ball. I mean, he hasn't been bad. He had against San Antonio, one of two. Against the Wizards, one of three. But last two games, 0, 0 for 1. I want to see a more trustworthy jumper from mm-hmm. Terry. You know, that that's something that I'm looking for. He's had a block in three or four games, which is good. Um, he hasn't had, like, any of those games where he's playing, like, 30-plus minutes compared to last year, but I am looking for one of those games where he kind of just goes ham on the glass. 
I'm mm. definitely waiting for one of those. But through the first two games, we had eight points on opening night, nine in, in the second. So, you know, we're definitely seeing some stuff. So I'm with you. Definitely staying, staying solid, staying afloat. Yeah, and, and I think one thing that I might put out there as a criticism for Carlisle is when you play 12 people in a rotation, it's just hard for everybody to kind of get settled in. Um, you know, you, you got Jalen Smith playing 25. You got Isaiah playing 17. He was in foul trouble, right? Um, you know, you got Matherin just playing 25. Nimhart 22. Goga, 21. Chris Duarte, 16. Taylor, 15. McConnell, 15. Brissett, 7. It's just like everybody's getting, like, some run, but not like Halliburton, who the only one to get over 30 minutes in yeah. this game. And we we kind of felt like when people have a solidified role, it helps them grow into that role. But when your role's constantly changing and you know, Carlisle's trying to find different lineups that can that can work, you're gonna have to tinker and you're gonna have to experiment. And we know that early on. I'm not trying to over uh be over dramatic when I'm saying this, but I just feel like I would like to see more of a consistent rotation in terms of minute dis, uh, distribution for all these guys, just so there's not, you know, it, I feel like as a player from a, being a former player, whenever I got kind of out of my rhythm in terms of like my rotation and what my minutes were, it always threw me for a loop. I'm used. I'm, I like the consistency of knowing when I'm going to be playing or unless fouls get in the way, but if there's no foul trouble, I like being able to, be in a rhythm and know like, okay, I'm going to play eight minutes in the first half, eight minutes in the second half. And this is where they're probably going to be at. If I'm playing well, get extended minutes, but I know that I'm at least getting this amount of minutes, not where my minutes are getting shortened. Like you think McConnell thought he was only playing 15 minutes a night? Probably not. No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, if you're O'Shea Brissett, I mean, what are you supposed to think? O'Shea's <laughs> role is the most inconsistent thing I've ever seen. Man hadn't even played since, since the, the Wizards game on o- opening night. And all of a sudden, He's thrusted in the first quarter. It's like, what's what's the rhyme or reason here? You know, play seven minutes and that's it. So I just feel like, how is this man ever supposed to get in a rhythm offensively? It's just, even even in preseason, he wouldn't show up until like the fourth quarter. And then, you know, he might go like over three. And you're like, oh, man, like Brissett's rough out there. It's like, he's been sitting on the bench for two hours. So... <laughs> You know, it's it's definitely four games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> guys have been sitting on the bench for the past week. You know, it's like I don't know what he's really supposed to do out there, but man, a little bit of consistency could help the guy out. <laughs> I mean, you're right, Botch. I mean that, that's just so frustrating. I mean, I I know O'Shea's gotta be going through it, right? Uh, I think he's been putting out some not like cryptic stuff, but like, you know, trying to say stay stay brissy, whatever he puts on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a social media like it, it's got to be tough you know this is like eating a big piece of humble pie and i really don't understand why he needed to be humble <laughs> i don't yeah. think he was ever like super arrogant doesn't really come no. across that way uh he came across as fun and entertaining to a certain degree with his dunks and stuff like that and maybe that's something carlisle doesn't like how he's already got playing what kind of dunk he's gonna do <laughs> in the game but you know i mean I, I, I've heard that he hasn't looked amazing in training camp, okay? But, like, I don't think he did anything where he should be getting put at the bottom of the bench like this. Like, But I'll say I, I'll say this. If Andrew Nimhard is getting his minutes, I understand that because I think Nimhard has been fantastic. So, yes, he's been uh, good. I don't really have anything else to say on this, Fachi. I know that the Pacers are back in action Wednesday night on the road against the Bulls. That's going to be game two of their five-game road trip. And they play Friday, Saturday, and Monday. So they, they've got a busy schedule ahead of them. 
I, I think at this point, you know, we're not going to be covering every single post game pod. We're going to be doing one a week. So this is our game of the week because we felt like it was a good one to get started on with this road trip. But do you see any wins in the future for the Pacers here on this road trip? Uh, it's going to be tough. It's definitely going to be tough. I mean, five straight on the road uh, overall. Let's see the upcoming schedule. I got it pulled up over here. So the Pacers, you know, after Chicago, they play the Wizards on ESPN on Friday. Uh, then they play the Brooklyn Nets. So, okay, look. So the back Wizards game. Saturday and Monday. The Wizards game, they could potentially win that. Chicago probably beats them because Chicago's actually taking it to Boston as we speak. Mm. Uh, Brooklyn back-to-back, look, you probably pencil those in as L's. Um, so, man, uh, out of that road trip, I think you could beat the Wizards. And at, at <laughs> during this time, Miles Turner could potentially be back do you think he's back within that one week time frame they said that they would revisit his injury in yeah i heard that he could have probably already played by now but it's one of those things where they're just not trying to take any risk and i totally get I that him. yeah um so so that's kind of where i'm at with it I, I think miles probably if he's not back for the bulls game definitely will be back friday to make his debut on espn and uh you know i think it's funny because we keep hearing about it, but like the Lakers and their turmoil and how that's going to be impacting the Pacers. Well, you know, the the long the long story or the long game here is just like how long will it take until LeBron James forces the Lakers to make a trade? Is Miles Turner and Buddy Hill for Westbrook and two first round picks something that's actually going to happen? You know, I, I've looked at some of the the trade ideas people have thrown out there for the Jazz and the and the Spurs, and most people say on paper the players might be better in terms of what they're getting overall but Turner is still the best player that you're probably getting back in any of those trade packages that you're you're putting together and, and number two you don't have to worry about the long-term money I think if you take Buddy Hield on that's the only contract you have to worry about but it's an expiring so you could probably move off of that if you really felt like there was a good chance for you to get Kyrie Irving in the offseason so I think that's where the Pacers might have the upper hand is just like what type of money is on the books for the for the, both those players, Hill and Turner. But, yeah, I think Miles will probably come back this week. I'm going to bank on Friday. He might come back against Chicago. Um, but we know that him and Vucevic, it's not really been fun for him to play Vooch. Vooch uh, has had his number, it feels like, every time they play. So come back against the Wizards, be on national TV. He had a big game last year. I think he had, did he have 40 points in that game, Fachi, last year? He did. He did. I was in the building for that. Ooh, so, yeah. Favorite player um, right there in the building from his favorite fan, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> something like that. Um, <laughs> but look, uh, I would like to see him back ASAP. I think the Wizards game has a shot. I don't know if he'll be back for Chicago. Feels like, you know, could be a little bit too soon, but, you know, you never know. But, also, when you're talking about Vucevic, I mean, Alex, don't think I forgot about the Terry Taylor revenge game <laughs> against Vooch. I've had it circled on my calendar. I know TT does too, so I got my eyes on that one. But, man, look, that road trip is going to be rough. I will be in the building in Brooklyn. Okay, one which one? On Halloween, the 31st. So That's when that, they're getting the win, Fachi. Yeah, I, I very much think so, so. I'm pumped for that. Um, hopefully to see a Pacers W. You never know. And, hey, if anyone is listening to this that's going to be in the area at the game, please let me know. Would love to be able to meet up. I, I saw I saw someone talk about it on Facebook saying they're going to be in the building, but you know 
you know, Facebook, you know, the, the Pacer Facebook, it, it's a different breed. So, you know, be careful, Fonch. I, I did not want to comment in there because you don't know who you're dealing with. So if anyone's listening to this and they're going to be in Brooklyn, I'll be at the game. We'd love to say what's up. Yeah, that, that'd that be cool, everybody. Get a picture with Fonchi. You won't be disappointed. And maybe he'll even give you a let's go Pacers in person. Yeah, never know. You can never know what to predict. And, you know, I'm sure Fonchi's wife will be with him. Yep. Yes, you will. Uh, if she is actually paying attention to the game, she might be <laughs> streaming Taylor Swift during the game as she is analyzing every song. She very well could. And, uh, you know, Fachi won't talk to her about it, so sometimes she'll hit me up on Instagram and <laughs> get me some my thoughts on the, on the album. But, uh, you know, it, it's all good. I love music. But with that being said, Fachi, big game coming up against the Bulls. Always fun to play the Central Division rival, and I think we're going to be excited for that. We'll be back Thursday to talk about that. So Thursday night, I'll be looking in your... Um, podcast feed for that so this will be up probably for most of you guys on tuesday morning so you won't hear from us again till thursday night on that one so a couple of days break there if you did not get a chance to listen to my podcast with evan Sattery on on sunday night monday morning make sure you go back and check that one out as well but Fachi, that's going to wrap it up for today let the people know where they can find us at on social media absolutely so you could find us on twitter at setting the pace three you could find alex on twitter at alex golden nba i can be found on twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You could find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You could find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You could find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast, or go to Google and type in Setting the Pace on YouTube, and we will be right there for you. But at the end of the day, Fachi, if you're excited that Benedict Matherin is still a frontrunner for Rookie of the Year, then say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop, smooth. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.